if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. We start at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free for all Friday, the 19th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2021 coming up on the program. I've got two good guests on this free for all Friday, but it does leave us plenty of time for free for all phone calls coming up in about a half an hour at 935. David Camiona is going to resp- uh, join us again. Return to the program. We talked to David a couple of weeks uh, back for the first time, and it was just coincidental that I was discussing Rush Limbaugh's passing earlier this week, and I was actually posting about it online, and uh, I talked about how disgusted I was. I wasn't going to give their their insults and their hate the light of day by reading them, but I mentioned the obvious, that there is a lot of anti-Rush Limbaugh celebrating his death going on by the hateful leftists around the country, and I made a statement on the air and... Um, uh, online, that I I don't think there will ever be national unity in this country again. And I'm not saying that to be cynical. I just can't see myself shaking hands with and saying, I agree to be friends with you if you are celebrating and dancing on the grave of a man uh, who is beloved by millions. And whether he is beloved by millions or not is kind of irrelevant. But, you know, the day he dies of cancer, um, it, the hatred is so real I said, I don't think we can ever be friends. And almost just like by divine intervention, somebody dropped this on my lap. There was an article by David Camioner that he actually wrote first. It ran in April of 2019. And then he re-ran it and re-released it, if you will, on November 7th of 2020, so just three months ago, calling not for civil war between right and left, Republicans, Democrats, etc., but a civil divorce it's time to split up the country, and it was a really well-written piece. So David is going to come out and tell us about that. It's a really interesting um, uh, perspective, and uh, nobody wants to see secession happen and that sort of thing, but boy, um, if, if it's going to come down to a civil divorce versus a civil war, perhaps maybe divorce is the better way to go. So David Camiona is coming up at, coming up at 935. Then at 1035, Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, will be with us for her regular commentary. Uh, she joins us each and every Friday at 1035. So before, between, and after that, you can dial us up for Free For All Friday at 216-901-0945. However, first, 
we must pause for the pledge. And I will ask you now, if you are not uh, driving, to rise out of your seat and join us for the recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You know, I do that not just to troll leftists who hate the Pledge of Allegiance. I also do it out of patriotism. But I, I will tell you, you know, the patriotic part of me, you know, gets some pride from starting our show with the pledge each day. And there is a part of me that I'm not proud of that takes joy in knowing that it's ticking the liberals off because they don't like that sort of thing. All right. Um, so much uh, news to get into today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we, we are uh, We are in a very desperate state as it pertains to national security, economic security, and more. Our president, the president of the United States now, by hook or by crook, is Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, we have long talked about as being beholden by way of his family's illegal benefiting and deals with foreign countries, the most important and most dangerous of which, of course, is the Chinese Communist Party. Um. We've long warned about this. We've seen evidence of Hunter Biden's ties, Jim Biden's ties. That's Joe's brother. And, yes, Joe Biden as well. And quite simply, we're in danger. Um, Joe Biden has absolutely no tools with which to combat the Chinese Communist Party as they move forward in doing whatever they want to the world economy, to the world health, and to the United States in particular. How do we know this? Joe Biden's words. I spent some time yesterday talking to you about Joe Biden's town hall that he did on Wednesday. And Joe Biden in his town hall on uh, on uh, CNN did a lot, said a lot of insanely crazy things. Number one, he accused uh, the Trump administration of leaving the cupboard bare when it comes to the vaccine, saying there were no vaccines when he got uh, when he uh, took office. Of course, the reality is we've talked about this at length. The reality is is that uh, Joe Biden got his second dose of the vaccine on January 11th, nine days before he was inaugurated. He was lying. Some people say he just misspoke, except for the fact that Kamala Harris said the same thing in a different interview. There were no vaccines. We had to start from scratch. He also talked about, and this again is insane, but he talked about how the reason why the vaccines have not been distributed equally among blacks and whites in America, it's because blacks are too stupid to know how to get online. Now, those aren't my words. Those are Joe Biden's words. He didn't use the word stupid, but he said said essentially just that. He said directly that black people in he said many in the black and in latino communities both rural and inner city don't know how to go online in order to get in line which means to register for the vaccine his words not mine why aren't blacks getting the vaccine as as much as whites because they don't know how to go online He thinks blacks are inferior and unable to figure out things like, I don't know, computers and smartphones. But now I want to focus on his more disgusting 
and dangerous uh, messaging. Asked about China and asked about the horrific abuses being suffered by Muslim Uyghurs who have been taken and put into, some call them internment camps, others call them concentration camps, others call them death camps. I don't believe any of those are out of line. And I know it sounds like, wait a minute, we, the, world, the world would rise up against death camps. The world would rise up against concentration camps and, an, and a genocide against a race or a religion of people. Come on. You can't say that. We watched what happened with the horrors of the Holocaust. We would never let something like that happen again to any group of people. Well, the difference between then and now is good people, men of goodwill, saw the horrors, recognized them, and decided in unison to stand up and fight it and to stop it. And today, good men can't be found to challenge the Chinese Communist Party. Perhaps because they have been in bed with one another for far too long. Joe Biden is one of those men. I had a really interesting off-air debate, slash conversation, wasn't really a debate, but we we disagreed on a point. Uh, Ryan Morrow, my friend who's a Shulman Fellow for the uh, Clarion Project, and we have Ryan Moore on this program on a semi-regular basis. He used to be on a weekly basis before he had a schedule shift that really made, uh, didn't allow him to do that as, as much as he used to. But we still have Ryan Moore on. And Ryan and I were talking on Wednesday evening, so two nights ago, about China. And we were talking because I sent him actually um, a link to a story in which Joe Biden was facing mounting Republican backlash after withdrawing the Trump rules on Confucius Institutes. Now, you may or may not remember the interview I did with Ryan a couple of months ago on the Confucius Institutes. Confucius Institutes are organizations on college campuses around this country, not all of them, but many of them, that are essentially, the facade of them is a way of studying Chinese culture and Chinese history. It's just a, you know, it's just a, uh, an available option on campus. But in reality, Confucius Institutes, that is just the facade. What they are there to do is to teach and to push um, uh, China's communist ideology. The Confucius Institutes are very, very dangerous. They are buying their way into the United States, the Chinese Communist Party is, by way of these institutes, paying the universities millions and millions and millions of dollars to allow them to be there to push their Chinese communist propaganda on the students. That's just reality. So I sent that to Ryan Morrow, and I and he said I saw that and would love to know where in the hierarchy that decision was made. And I believe, and I told him, Joe Biden at the very highest level. I mean, where else would it be? And uh, Ryan said, I'm thinking this is a fight we could win and get Biden to go along with us. It's too indefensible, meaning the allowance of Confucius Institutes and Chinese propaganda into our universities. And I responded to Ryan, I'd like to know how we get him to go along. He and his family are all in bed with the CCP. If he came down here, or if he he came down hard on the Confucius Institutes, they might expose him. In other words, China's got something to hold over Joe Biden's head. And Ryan said, "Um, who knows? Um, sometimes politicians fall into the space between influenced and puppet. 
He said Trump has had financial ties to Russia and Turkey, and he still slapped them around from time to time. And I said, yes, but Trump's ties were fully vetted and investigated and found to be irrelevant. I don't believe the same is true about Biden and China. I think the CCP would threaten him with scorched earth if he tried to rein them in. The biggest difference in this conversation, I said, is there were no Stalin institutes being allowed on college campuses pushing the glorious Soviet history and culture while trying to influence the students with uh, communist propaganda. That is happening with China. So that's that's the uh, you know the kind of the crux of that story. And then this happened on Wednesday night. This was independent of my conversation with Ryan at the town hall meeting. Joe Biden was asked about China's abuses first against the territories of Hong Kong and Taiwan, but then secondly about the Uyghurs. And Joe Biden's response response should send chills up your spine. Listen. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And that means no freedom for the people of Hong Kong. No freedom or, li- or liberty for the people of Taiwan. They are all under Chinese control. The one China policy reigns. No matter how much they suffer, they cannot be allowed, according to the Chinese and according to their American uh, diplomat, Joe Biden. You heard me state that correctly. Joe Biden is a, is a Chinese diplomat working in the embassy of the United States called the White House. According to this spokesperson for the Chinese Communist Party, China has to keep Hong Kong and Taiwan tied together as one unified China because that's the only way they can defend themselves from outside attacks. It gets worse. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. I point out to him, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of of, uh, China and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country, and they, their leaders are expected to follow. Culturally, there are different norms that each country and their leaders are expected to follow. The American president is so terrified of what the Chinese Communist Party will do to expose him and his family that he will stand before the American people on a cable news network and profess that genocide is just a cultural thing. Eh, It's Chinese culture. They're expected to follow that. Keeping people locked down against their will, denying them freedom and liberty of their own, such as Hong Kong and Taiwan, putting people in concentration camps, torturing and killing them for being a different religion, This is just a cultural norm. That's how they do it over there. So as an American president, I'm not going to speak out against that. 
Joe Biden is owned, lock, stock, and barrel by the Chinese Communist Party. I defy you to prove otherwise. There is simply no other explanation for his refusal to take on China, his refusal to even condemn genocide being committed by China, other than the fact that if he crosses Xi Jinping, if he crosses the CCP, they will expose what Tony Bobolinsky already exposed with Hunter Biden's laptop the Chinese Communist Party will expose and verify, and Joe Biden will be done. We are in extraordinary dangerous times right now. The Chinese Communist Party has the American president held hostage. The only question is, is how much are they going to take advantage of that? How much damage are they going to do? 216-901-0945, You want to get in? Get in. We'd love to talk to you. It is a free-for-all Friday. That's the lead story for me. But if you've got something else you want to hit on, by all means, it is free-for-all Friday. Join us on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 927, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. I uh, uh, I want to make sure that we also incorporate the listener message line. We have told you about the authority message line, right? 216-525-1806. We tell you, uh, you can call this program uh, off the air whenever, 24 hours a day. Call our message line. Leave a message if you've got something important to say. Uh, we may play it on the radio. You also always have to be aware that we could play whatever you say. Um but uh, we, 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 we may play whatever you say on the radio and address those things. So if you've got things that kind of cross your mind and say, I wonder what Bob thinks about that. Or I heard Bob say this when I was listening to his show via podcast. I want to say this. So just understand that we will take your messages and use them. 216-525-1806, any time of day. Uh, when I was teaching fifth grade, I used to use the Red Skelton Pledge of Allegiance for them at the beginning of the school year and sometime during the school year to remind them of what the Pledge of Allegiance meant. And I, I see you're doing the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. Maybe sometime when you have the extra time, you could fit that in. Yeah, Bob, I will tell you what. Um, I have played the Red Skelton um, explanation of the pledge before. It's been a while, though, and I will absolutely make a point of playing that again. If those people who have never heard it are in for a treat, it's just a wonderful, wonderful explanation in entertaining form of what the pledge really means and why it is so important that we all uh, stand behind it. And when we are in public settings and we're doing public work or we're in meetings and this sort of thing, starting your day with the Pledge of Allegiance is just a glorious thing to do for Americans. So thank you, Bob, and we will make note of that. Derek is in Richfield. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Derek. Go ahead. Hello, Derek. This isn't why I called, but no, just um, as long as, don't worry, as long as the CCP calls um call some vocational training centers for the Uyghur people. Um, that's no problem, you know. And, and then, of course, there's no social justice for uh, all the poor women and children, you know, in the Congo for all the, the rare earth minerals for the electronics. Correct. But, um, <laughs> right. So but the re- real reason why I called was, um, you know, I just want to respond to, you know, all these nasty comments and attacks that are being hurled against Rush Limbaugh now. You know, um, Mr. Limbaugh, who actually believed in the Lord, he talked about Jesus, how pro-life he was, how much he 
talked about the evils of abortion. And, you know, it, it's, I just want to point out how loving it is to hear these jackals who they want to erase God every other time, but then they're so quick to wish hell and damnation on someone they hate. That is a very good point. I never thought about it, that the hypocrisy of that, denying God, essentially, which if you deny God, you deny you know Satan. If you deny heaven, you deny hell. And yet, when somebody like Rush Limbaugh dies, they can't get to their keyboards fast enough to type burn in hell, uh, roast in hell, et cetera, et cetera. That's a great point. Derek, I appreciate your phone call, and I'm glad you made it now, because it leads into my conversation with David, David Camiona coming up after the news. My sadness as much as my anger or my disgust, at seeing the hate and the vitriol that is being spewed uh, toward a man on the day of his passing from cancer has made it clear to me that I don't believe we will ever be able to reunite as a country because I have no desire to unite with people who hold that in their hearts. What do we do if we can't unite? And the answer, according to David Camioner, is we can divorce. I'll let him explain that next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 936 now. We continue on a free-for-all Friday. We'll get back to your free-for-all calls very shortly. But I want to get into this now. This is uh, It was just so perfect that somebody dropped this on my page. I had read it back in 2019, uh, but I had forgotten about it. And I will tell you, um, it's sometimes I think it's karma. It's divine intervention. Yesterday on the air and also online, I was complaining about um, the just reprehensible disgusting hatred and vitriol that was being expressed literally within minutes of the announcement of Rush Limbaugh's death. Um, you know, liberals and leftists were tap dancing on his grave, uh, wishing him the most horrific of, of everlasting endurances, uh, you know, telling him roast in hell, rot in, blah, 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 blah. I didn't even read these things on the air because they're so vile. And I don't want to give them the light of day other than to say, I do see you and I do hear you and I am disgusted by you. And as I put online and said on air, This, to me, is an indication that any attempt at unity will fail. Um, This country will never come back together again because I will never set that kind of thing aside. Shake hands, put my arm around somebody and say, I'm an American, you're American, we're okay, we'll be buddies. I can't be buddies. I can't unify with people with that kind of vile hatred in their hearts. And so after talking about this, somebody sent me, um, a link to an article that was originally written in 2019 and was rerun in November three months ago, saying not a civil war, a civil divorce. And I said, oh, my gosh, that was written by David Camioner. I didn't even know that when I talked to David Camioner on the air for the first time about a month ago. I'd never talked to David before, but once I saw the author of this piece that I knew I had read, I said, I got to get David Camioner back on to talk about the divorce that maybe is the better alternative to the civil war between the two ideologies in this country. And David Camioner was kind enough to say, let's do this thing. David, good to have you back. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm good, Bob. How are you? 
I'm all right, man. I, I got to tell you. Uh, first of all, let me remind people who you are, uh, um, a contributing editor at uh, LifeSet Magazine, U.S. Army Intelligence veteran, honors graduate at the University of Maryland's, Maryland's European Division. Uh, you got a lot of history. You got a lot of, uh, uh, you know, accomplishments and honors in your background. And now you're just uh, spitting wisdom. And I was so glad to see this particular thing. David, did you change anything before we get into the nuts and bolts of the civil divorce idea? Did you change anything from the original April 2019? story you wrote uh compared to the november 7th version that you reran not one word but it's interesting when we saw the events of january 6th i was talking to a friend in dc a hill staffer and he said you know i wonder if this is our fort sumter or harper's ferry i said you know i said that almost two years ago that this could be something akin to fort sumter could be coming and we saw what happened on january 6th so, Is, no, I went so back that, to that's my what made you re-release it? And, yep, I went back to my old, I, what was re-released November, before January 6th. Oh, yeah. But right. I, um, on, on, some most, uh, on some other social media, I re-released it after January 6th, and it got, it got some play here and there. And a lot of my friends, friends, you know, people that I've known and I work with, said, you know, this is a concept, when you first wrote it in April 19, we thought, that's just David being alarmist, that's just him playing history, what if. But strangely enough, over the last two years, it's just gotten worse. Well, that that's you're a thousand percent right. What you wrote was I thought it was prescient in twenty nineteen and I thought it was viable, to be honest with you. But after you know, what just happened with this election, uh, and what happened of course on January sixth, and now as I said, what really put me over the edge here is the way, you know, these people just let the hatred and the and the you know, the the I don't even know what to describe it, how many other words I can use, vitriol, to describe how they, what they are and what they have inside them because of the death of Rush Limbaugh. And I just said, I don't ever want to be friends with these people. I don't think we will ever be able to unite with people that are this just horrific in their, you know, to their core, in their DNA. So somebody sent me this uh, article, which, again, I said I had read, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is the perfect time for talking about a divorce. And when people hear that, I want you to explain what this means, David. We're literally talking about the same thing that... And on a micro level, if there's irreconcilable differences between a man and a wife, oftentimes divorce is the answer because staying together will make both of them worse and may even lead to physical manifestations of their disagreements. We're talking about this on a macro level. Left, right, Republican, Democrat, whatever you want to say about it, um, we're talking about rather than getting physical and having another civil war in which we take up arms against one another, maybe it's best that we part ways. Tell us all about it, David. Sure. Well, I mean, you're exactly right, Bob. I mean, if you think about not only the reaction to the Limbaugh death, but the election and going back years and years, not just recently, we in this country are like a couple in a very bad marriage, especially since the 1960s. We just don't agree with each other, and every day it seems we're sniping at each other more and more. And again, on January 6th, it came to violence. And it, but this isn't the first time it's come to violence, let's remember. Last year, all over this country, it came to violence. Mm-hmm. So we've got to ask ourselves, this, this just can't, you know, why, why is this going on? And then we, I think we come to the conclusion, this can't go on. And it's not like this has happened before in history. If we look at 1947 um, and the India-Pakistan um, you know, separation, those people, the Muslims and the Hindus, were not fond of each other. If we look in 1916 um, during the rebellion in Ireland, um, in Ireland versus uh, uh, British authority, those people did not like each other. Eventually, those countries separated. And I think, especially since the 1960s, 
because we've lost a cultural consensus. The right hand does not believe in the left hand, nor does it like it anymore. We've got to come up with a solution, because if we don't, if this thing keeps spiraling like the 1850s and 1860 and 61, we're going to come to bloodshed, and no sane person wants that. I totally agree. Now now let's talk about how it works, what your proposal is here. We're talking to David Camiono, who wrote this piece, Not a Civil War, a Civil Divorce. We're talking about, and you gave some great examples, by the way, of formerly unified peoples uh, splitting up because of irreconcilable differences. You mentioned Ireland and, UK, and, uh, and uh, Great Britain. You mentioned uh, Poland belonging to Russia and so forth. Uh, and they split with, with good reason. And now they're countries independent of one another all on their own. And that's what we're talking about here. Now you're talking about a West Coast versus, quote-unquote, flyover country, but including the East Coast on that side. So give us more details now, David, on how you would see an equitable, uh, that's that word they love so much, an equitable split uh, between two new countries. Well, the way I see it is this, to try to make sure that everybody gets governed the way they want to get governed. The West Coast, i.e. California, Oregon, and Washington, split into another country, um, nominally named Pacifica. And everybody else, you know, the lower 48 and, and Alaska and Hawaii, stay with us in the United States. So if the Canadians want part of this, who knows? Maybe the United States or North America. Um, I would, As I mentioned in the article, it would be interesting to take Manhattan and make it an independent city-state like Singapore, etc., but it's probably financially non-viable. But that way, if you take away the electoral college votes and the representation in Congress of those three West Coast states, that means we're looking into perpetuity of center-right, if not conservative, government in what's left of the United States. And, and if you look at the numbers, that's exactly what the rest of the country wants, if you take those three states out. If you look at those three states, they get the kind of government which is progressive, socialistic, multiculti. They get what they want. So everybody is happy in this. It's a relatively equitable sh- um, uh, distribution of resources. For the military, we, just like we did in the Canal Zone, just like we do in Gitmo, we keep our bases because that is the front line of uh, our Pacific strategy. And, you know, we would rent them for 99 years, etc. And then, basically, we get to sit back and watch. Because let me tell you, Bob, within five or ten years, places like the Silicon Valley and other places are not going to want to be on Venezuela on the Pacific. They are going to start moving across. And within that time, well, well, we're going to well, see well, what well. really... Whoa, 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 hold on a second, Dave. Um, if we make this split, I don't want them to just be able to move across. That's a foreign country now, and I want a wall. Mm-hmm. I want a border wall between California, Oregon, and Washington State from the rest of what is still America. I want Pacifica walled off. you got to apply for a visa to come back across here for a visit, right? Oh, I completely agree. What I'm saying is the economic players, people like Silicon Valley, are going to look around. They're not going to want to be in there anymore. And after five years, maybe less, they're going to start taking their assets and moving them across. Again, you're damn right with exactly the kind of border protection we have. Because what we're going to be doing over here with center-right government, with a Republican Congress, with Republican Senate, with regulation and silly other government controls out of the way, we're going to be eating popcorn and watching what happens. And you know what eventually can happen, Bob? Just like we saw in many other places, Within five or ten years, just like the South, after the Civil War, they might want back in. And if they do, then we do what we did to the South after Civil War, reconstruction. That's, and that that's, means it's, it's, 
that that's very well said. That's a great point. Let me let me ask you this though, because it just looks too easy just to say, well, there's an easy line there between those West Coast states on the Pacific and and the rest of the country. What happens to Alaska and Hawaii? That's a really good question. They basically get to decide. I mean, yeah, they are out there. I would guess, given Alaska's libertarian heritage, they stay with us. Hawaii might go to the Pacific, might go with Pacific. It would be a natural move out there. Okay, fine. Again, we keep Pearl Harbor there um, for, uh, you know, for those uh, military reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, the point here is that not only does everybody get what they want, but everybody gets to live the way they want. Because even on a daily basis, and I live in a pretty liberal state in Maryland, on a daily basis, there are things like, you know, the, the virus regulations and other things we're seeing that impinge on our daily liberty. Because government, especially socialist government, um, you know, big, multicultural progressive government wants nothing more than, control, than to control you on a daily basis. We get rid of that. They get it in spades. And we'll see who, who's living a better life. I um I, I don't think, Dave, we're talking to David Camioner, contributing editor at LifeZet, uh, a, a U.S. veteran of Army intelligence, writer, author. David, uh, I, I don't think it would take five years. You said five years later if they want back in. I mean, seriously, how long could they last if they govern themselves the way they want to govern the United States as it is now? If they abolished police or defunded them, them to the point of non-existence? If they kept an open borders policy, anybody who wants to come there can come there from, from, uh, from Mexico. If they, uh, you know, uh, continue to, uh, uh, defund the military, uh, and not be able to defend themselves. If they continue to tax the people and corporations to the point where they can't even live any longer. All of the things that they want to do here, if they go ahead, you've got it. <laughs> that that that's a pretty good sized territory there, California, Oregon, and and Washington. I can't see them being able to survive. You know, capitalism gone, socialism in, in its place. Uh, no 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 personal property rights. Indi- individual property is gone because of uh, BLM and and Marxist uh, 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 ideology. I can't see them lasting 12 months before they're like, hey, we need help over here. Can you guys send us some stuff? Uh, I, I can see I, it, it's doomed to failure from the very beginning, which is perhaps why they would say, no, we'll never do that. We're, gonna, we're just going to continue to play it the way we are now. That's, that's a good point. But ask yourself, how long has communist Cuba survived? How long now is Venezuela, uh, a Marxist regime, surviving? Because when these regimes, when these people get their teeth into power, they keep it by the bayonet. And so eventually, yeah, um, it's going to become ridiculous. And eventually, um, and guys like uh, Gavin Newsom are, and Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi are perfectly uh, suited to, uh, to bring this on. They'll just start doing what all Marxist and socialist regimes do. They'll start to treat their people like sheep, and they'll start to pen them into places like sheep, and they'll try to control their lives on a, and their thoughts on a very minute well that is very true um which would bring then into question our response because we have spent a good portion of the last century battling communism fighting for you know human rights for people who are being oppressed by communist uh, dictators and so forth we have uh, and and now that we consider these are former our former country mates our former you know uh, neighbors and friends um would we allow it we would we allow uh, an authoritarian totalitarian communist hand to be uh, run over the uh, nation of pacifica or would we intervene well it would depend i mean if they're a national security threat to us we shouldn't allow it i mean back in the 80s when i was in the army uh, we didn't allow granada a small island off south america because we considered a threat um, to the western hemisphere mm-hmm. would we allow this it was a national security threat well we certainly we certainly shouldn't however we allow cuba 
We, you know, there, which is 90 miles off our shores, real close. So it would depend well, on if it's we went, we went to war. Threat. We went to war to stop it in Vietnam. We went to war to stop it in Korea. Yep. You know? Yeah, and they're not that, and they're not obviously as close as California. So it would depend. Also, Vietnam and Korea uh, were during the, uh, you know, worldwide threat of the Soviet Union. We don't quite have that. I mean, China is a massive threat, but not in the way, at least in the geopolitical and military sense, that the Soviets were. But when get... it comes to Pacifica, our, our mythical nation, um, you know, it would have to be, uh, you know, what they were going on. What the problem could be if Pacifica, given this kind of country that we're talking about, allied itself with communist China, then that becomes problematic. This is going to be a real tough question, but can we find a way, you know, because you talk about flyover country in the article and we talk about the coastal elites, they're kind of united. You know, New York and Los Angeles, New York and San Francisco, they're identical. Is there a way that they get New York and New Jersey and maybe Massachusetts as well, or strategically and geographically, is that a non-starter for us? Yeah, I think that's a non-starter because, you know, just like they would want, we want contiguous, um, you know, contiguous territory and also, you know, um, shall we say, internal lines of defense. Yeah, so well, well, we, do want, we do want a contiguous territory, but obviously with Hawaii and, and Alaska, that's the reason I asked about them first. You know, it's yeah. not like it is going to be yeah. contiguous for them anyway. So I just wonder how that yeah. would go because, um, you know, that's – I'm, I'm not kidding, David. I mean, obviously this piece is not something that would ever be taken to, you know, Capitol Hill for consideration, but – I can see a lot of benefits to it. I really can. And I, you know, I, I would imagine the left might agree. We want to get away from you rednecks, uh, you conservative, you know, uh, white supremacy loving, you know, blankety blanks. Uh, but the people on both coasts want to get away from us. And I, and I, and I think that, exactly. would, be a, that would be a battle for the, for that part of it. Exactly. I mean, look at the reaction January 6th. Now, there were some people that were bad players in January 6th and deserved to be prosecuted. However, yes. a lot of people at that rally were just patriots expressing their free speech rights. But what we saw was a blanket condemnation from the left, from Washington, from everybody, of everybody that happened to be in D.C. that day supporting former President Trump. And when and we hear, just like we heard uh, vis-a-vis the Limbaugh death, the, the tone of pure hatred, it shows, as you said, there's no going back here. No, there there really isn't. And and quite like like I said before, I mean, if I was married to somebody that hateful, I want that divorce. I really do. Yep. I, I was, you know, I mean, who among us would want to live a daily life like that in that kind of hell with somebody that you find so reprehensible and repugnant? And despite you know uh, you know your your own belief in your own <laughs> side of things, they find you reprehensible and repugnant as well. It is time to say, you know what, uh, we, we've got to we've got to separate for the for the betterment of both of our lives. And I think that's something that I, uh, I I really love the piece. I love the idea, and I love the fact that it's more relevant now than it was in April of 2019 when you first wrote it. Uh, great stuff, David Camioner. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, maybe write a follow up, especially after we wait and see what happens over the next three to six months as things get progressively worse. An emphasis on the word progressively worse. Uh, maybe it's time for a follow up. What do you think? That's a great idea. I think I'll do it. I love it. And uh, I'll, I'll have you back on when you do, David. Thanks so much for the time. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye. All right. David Camioner, uh, he's in Maryland. He, he would uh, He's in a pretty liberal place, but he would be rather be a part of the United States of America, apart from the nation of Pacifica to our west. All right, 953, right back. Go together like a horse and carriage. Dad was told by. I want to thank you, uh, Bob French, for bringing up 
The other satanic thing going on in Ohio State. <laughs> Extremely disgusting. We'll demand our tax money back. The state for doing that. And all that porn and whatever else they want to call it. It's disgusting. That's the full court threat by Satan these days. Hey, thanks for bringing it up, Mr. Franz. You're doing a good job. Thank you. Bye. I uh, wish I hadn't had to bring that up. I know nobody takes pleasure in, uh, you know, seeing these kinds of things happening at, you know, the the icon of Ohio that is Ohio State University. But it's real, and we did talk about it this week. And if you want to talk about it now, uh, it's free for all Friday. We have uh, got plenty of time for your phone calls after the top of the hour news. We can Ohio State University, a state taxpayer funded university, is literally trying to encourage. Teenage girls who attend the university to prostitute themselves, literally, as part of their sex week um, conference, if you will. And it's a bunch of small conferences designed and dedicated to uh, perversity and depravity. And one of them is telling young girls to um, use their images and videos of themselves in various states of that perversity online at a website uh, that they have provided um, and they can charge money for. Use your body in a very uh, depraved way on camera and sell those images and videos online and you can make a lot of money. They are promoting the prostitution of uh, their own students, your daughters, if they go to Ohio State University. It's just simply a remarkable story. It's a disgusting story and I know It's not limited to OSU. It's happening in state universities across the country. I talked to somebody, I think it was Dr. Piper yesterday about this, who said it's, yeah, it was Dr. Piper, who said it's also happening, believe it or not, at private Christian colleges, things called Sex Week. Now, the degree of depravity and the offerings during Sex Week may vary from place to place. But what I told Dr. Piper is, and I'll tell you before the news, I would rather have it be at the private Christian universities. You want to know why? Because then it could be stopped. Because private Christian universities rely on endowments. They rely on donations from alums and supporters and boosters, etc. And once they find out what's going on, they can pull their funding. But at Ohio State, we can't pull their funding. It's publicly funded. Your tax dollars are coming out of your check, and they're going to Ohio State to promote this crap, whether you like it or not. So, yeah, thank you for that message. Uh, Again, the uh, authority message line is 216-525-1806, If you ever want to leave a message, uh, again, we will play them and respond to them on the radio. But for now, we're going to get to the news, then we're going to take your live phone calls at 216-901-0945 on... 